Whenever I meet with a wedding couple, which I think has only been once, I always ask them this question, why get married in the church? You see, people could get married anywhere. They could get married in the courthouse, in an outdoor gazebo, on the beach, in Las Vegas, or in some other destination. So why, in our post-secular society, get married in the church? Since I'm new to this whole priesthood thing, I can't tell you what the wedding couples have told me, but I could offer a few other reasons. I would venture to say that for each wedding couple, their answer is going to be different. To some, it just might seem like the right thing to do. They've come from a good church-going family, and so that's what they want to do. They want to be married in the church and have never thought of anything else. Perhaps they desire to have God's blessing right at the beginning of their married life, and so they commit their lives before God and his church. Or possibly the church has a beautiful backdrop, thinking of our cathedral in Green Bay and the beautiful mural that's there, and so it might make for nice wedding pictures. Whatever the reason is, I think it's a wonderful desire that couples want to be married in the church. Now, there's another reason to be married in the church, which might not be as compelling as perhaps some of these others. That's because as a baptized Catholic, the church law binds a person to marry before a priest or a deacon and two witnesses in a physical church structure. This is what is called the canonical form of marriage. Now, in our Catholic mindset, we celebrate sacraments, which number seven, and marriage is one of them. And many of our congregants might recall the definition from the Baltimore Catechism of a sacrament, that it's an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. So for a lot of the sacraments, we can see that outward sign instituted by Christ. For example, we're gathered here in this place to celebrate the Eucharist, which clearly Jesus instituted on the night of the Last Supper. And so we can trace the origin of Jesus' institution. So where do we see that for marriage? Now, in the teaching of Jesus, he taught a lot about marriage, and he would use marital analogies. He taught us about the indissolubility of marriage, that it should be long-lasting. But I would say that it's Jesus' presence at this wedding feast of Cana that elevates marriage to the dignity of a sacrament. And it is at this wedding feast in Cana that Jesus, at the bequest of his mother, performs his first public miracle. At this wedding, like many other wedding receptions that we have attended, copious amounts of alcohol had already been consumed. So much so that this shortage of wine becomes apparent to the mother of God. And out of her compassion and concern for the bridegroom and the bride, she goes and makes her son Jesus aware of it. And after a brief exchange, which we heard, Jesus then turns water into wine. This weekend, then, I think our gospel allows us the opportunity to look at the sacrament of marriage, and that the two wines in the gospel itself could be symbolic of marriage. Now, the first wine that everyone had drunk freely of, I'd like to suggest is ordinary marriage. That's marriage outside of canonical form, being married before the justice of the peace or having a destination wedding. 
It's ordinary. It was ordinary wine. But then Jesus turns water into wine. So the second wine, I'd like to say, is sacramental marriage. That Jesus takes what is ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Because anyone can be married on a beach or have a destination wedding. But something special happens when we invite Jesus to be a part of that special day in the church. That's what makes the sacrament of marriage extraordinary. So there might be some of you in the pews tonight that are thinking, well, I was married in a Lutheran church, or I did marry on the beach, or perhaps I know that I wasn't free to marry, so then I went before the justice of the peace. What I think the good news of our gospel is today is that Jesus wants to turn the water into wine in our own lives and in some marriages. And the church is here to help in that process. To have a sacramental marriage means that one is opened and disposed to receive the graces that God wants to give upon your marriage and marital love. But if the, sacrament, or, but if the marriage was not celebrated sacramentally, then one is not able to receive the sacramental graces that God wishes to give. So if someone married outside of what we call canonical form, meaning that they were a Catholic who married in another ecclesial community or a Protestant church, the church wants to convalidate the marriage, what we colloquially call blessing the marriage in the church. So if there's some of you out there tonight who think about this, and that's what this is your situation, Father Doug and I would be happy to help walk you through that process. And, we, and the end of it would be the celebration of the sacrament before a priest or a deacon and two witnesses here in the church. Now, some might say, well, I don't want to have two wedding anniversaries. So the simple suggestion would be do it on your wedding anniversary. That way, then, you only have one. Now, there might be other people in our church tonight who may not have been free to marry due to a previous marriage. And so for these people, the church offers the annulment process, which reviews and analyzes the marriage of the person from the very get-go. Now, it's not saying that the marriage never existed, but it's saying that there was something in the very beginning of the marriage that, ever prohi that prohibited it from ever becoming a sacrament. And so the annulment process would undo or give that freedom to then marry in the church. Now, there are many misperceptions about annulments, namely that it's a long, arduous, and costly process. Pope Francis, though, recently amended the annulment process, and so thereby kind of addressing all those concerns. The first is, is it long? When Pope Francis made his reforms a few months ago, he had in mind countries that it took maybe five or six years for an annulment. Here in the United States, it's typically a one-year process. But what Pope Francis did and what affects us is that as the Church of Green Bay, their canon lawyer, would look at the marriage, they would have to send it for a second review to Milwaukee or to a different diocese. And so Pope Francis has done away with that process. So that would make it less long and make it a little quicker. Is it arduous or challenging? So sometimes people are afraid of the annulment process because it means that they might have to get in contact with their previous spouse, and they don't want any contact. 
And so the church is here to do that for you. You don't have to reach out to them. We'll do the paperwork and we'll send it to them. And it's their, it's their um, decision whether or not they want to participate. And if they don't want to, then after a waiting period, the church will move forward in uh, the process of the annulment. And thirdly, is it costly? I've heard from a lot of people that annulments cost maybe $1,000 or $2,000. In our diocese, the actual cost has been about $800, and they ask a person to maybe give $400, half of that, to help cover administrative costs. Now, a person wouldn't be turned away for an annulment if they weren't able to afford it. So it's not as costly as some might think. The annulment process is really all about healing and restoration. So if you're at a point in your own life where you're ready to look at that, again, contact Father Doug or myself, and we'll be happy to refer you to an annulment advocate who then will help you through that process. I should also say that sometimes there might be people who have married outside of the church a second time, but maybe married outside of the church the first time, which is a much quicker and easier process than the full annulment. That's a simple lack of canonical form paperwork, which would be a little quicker than the other annulment. So finally, I'd like to maybe just say a few words about our gospel for all people, whether you're in a sacramental marriage, whether you're not, whether you're married or single, whoever you might be. What does this gospel mean for us? It talks about Jesus transforming water into wine, changing ordinary into extraordinary, performing miracles. So what is it that we want Jesus to do in our own life? What kind of transforming power do we want Jesus to show us? In our gospel today, Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And so in order to do what Jesus tells us to do, it means we have to be disposed to be listening to the Lord in our own prayer. It also means cooperating with the movement of that spirit in our hearts so that we can become open to God's grace. Jesus wants to change the ordinary into the extraordinary. Will we allow him to do that? And once we're at that point of giving the Lord permission, it's then that the church will be here to help you in any way that you need.